Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. And, uh, folks, again, we have just weather happening here in Seoul. If you don't get this live, I get started here and this goes again. It'll be recorded and it'll be up online later. But uh, once I get started, I'm just going to keep on going. Amen. And we're going to be turning here this evening to the book of Joel. To the book of Joel. You might, you might, some of your pages might be stuck together around there book of Joel. It's not every day someone preaches from one of the minor prophets, but uh, Daniel, Hosea, Joel is is the order. If you give you a little, if you want to go further back, you go to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel. And so that kind of give you a frame of reference. Joel chapter number one, going to also be reading from Joel chapter number two here tonight. And uh, We're going to start with Joel 1 and verse number 15. The Bible says, Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Joel chapter number 2 and verse number 1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Skipping down to verse number 15 of the same chapter, Joel writes, "Be Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. For a little while tonight, I want to minister this with the help of the Holy Ghost. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Father, I come to you tonight. Lord, I need your help and your aid, Lord Jesus, in this service. I pray, O God, let the mind of the Spirit, Lord, go forth, Lord, from this place this evening. God, give us, O Lord, direction and guidance, Lord, and let there be a fit word. I pray, God, spoken, Lord, in this time. God, bring an awareness, Lord Jesus, God, to some things, Lord, that need to be brought, Lord God, into a focal point for us in this hour. Lord, and will not fail to thank you and praise you, Lord, for what you do and accomplish in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you this evening in Jesus' name. Again, my title tonight is Blow the Trumpet in Zion. The book of Joel, as I've said, is just a minor prophet among others. Joel itself is composed of three chapters. It is probably best known for the passage that Peter refers to on the day of Pentecost when he said in Acts 2 16 but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel and it shall come to pass in the last days 
saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and so on and so forth. Peter referred to Joel concerning the servants and the handmaidens and such. And as apostolics, we love that setting of scripture in the book of Acts that refers to the prophet Joel that, oh, this is that which was spoken by him. We rally around that Old Testament prophecy that Joel spoke of, amen, into the future of that day that would come. We relish that outpouring of the Spirit. Uh, we capitalize upon that endowment of power from on high. But perhaps the second thing that Joel is known for are his descriptions of a horrible plague of locusts that devastated the land. How what one stage of the locusts left, another stage of locusts ate in succession until there wasn't anything seemingly left. The Bible says what the palmer worm left that the locusts ate. And what the locusts ate, the canker worm uh, would come along. What it left, the canker worm would come along and eat. And then following would be the caterpillar. Joel uses this whole scenario, this plague, this current event, present day happening, catastrophe, if you will, of his day to talk to the people of his generation about the day of the Lord. The locust scenario in and of itself was not the day of the Lord, but that locust uh, plague upon the land was indicative of that day of the Lord that would come. And Joel, with God's wisdom, he uses the locust then devastation as a model, if you will, for things that were to come, that were to happen. He uses this current event as a platform or as a point of reference or basis for the coming day of the Lord. Joel, in his book, is primarily addressing the southern kingdom of Judah but his message encompasses nations of people. He's talking about, again, a current event of that day, one in which they all would have been familiar with. I'm asking you tonight as I talk about Joel's current day event that he used as a model that you would allow your minds to think about the current events of our day and consider the scripture from Joel. The Bible says that a plague of locusts had covered their land. It had stripped it of their fig trees and their olive trees. It had stripped it of their pomegranate trees and their palm trees. The Bible even says the apple trees did languish because of the locusts. Virtually every tree of the field that was known to them in that vicinity and that area was greatly, greatly impacted by the plague of the locusts. Some of the normal commodities of their day that was uh, uh, typical for them to trade and typical of them to use at their own tables, they had suffered also. Such things like wheat and barley were hired to be found during this time of the plague of the locusts or as a result of the locusts. And these were the very resources, according to the word of the Lord, that the land of 
Palestine was known for. Uh, when you thought of Palestine, you thought about the wheat and the barley and the oil and the corn and the wine. That land, though, that land that had been termed as a land that flowed with milk and honey. She was known for her figs and known for her olive trees. Her slopes held many vineyards upon them and her valleys held the grain of wheat and barley. But now all of that has changed in an instant due to a plague of locusts. The Bible describes it and Joel describes it well that it was an unprecedented moment. Joel even begins to address the elders and it's important tonight you just keep your Bible open to the book of Joel. Joel begins to address the elders. Amen. In Joel 1 verses 2 and 3 and he's trying to get a pulse. Amen. On whether the elders had ever witnessed anything like this before. He's trying to get a pulse about whether or not they've ever heard such of a plague or a locust coming upon their land even back in their father's day or their father's time. See, the information of these people of the culture would mainly come through oral tradition passed from one generation to the next generation. And so Joel was just asking the oldest that is among them, has this ever happened in your day? Has this ever happened in the days of your fathers? Either way, amen, he says, don't forget to pass on what's going on right now unto your children and your children's children and the next generation because this seems to be an unprecedented moment, an unprecedented time. This wasn't the first time according to God's word that locusts had been upon the land. It wasn't the first time that they had covered a portion of the land with their darkened swarm that came upon this particular area. Locusts, according to the Old Testament scripture, had been one of the ten plagues that was used against Egypt whenever God was endeavoring to get the children of Israel out of their Egyptian bondage. It was a tool that the Lord would use to persuade Egypt to let Israel go, to cause her release, to bring about the deliverance. If you will, tonight, Exodus chapter 10 and verse number 4 records the story of where God spoke to Pharaoh through Moses and Aaron and says, Else if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow will I bring the locusts into thy coast, and they shall cover the face of the earth that one cannot be able to see the earth. In other words, they're going to cover the ground where you would not be able to see the ground. They shall eat the residue of that which is escaped, that which remaineth unto you from the hell, which was the plague that preceded this one, and shall eat every tree which groweth for you out of the field. Verse 6, and they shall fill thy house and thy, the houses of thy servants and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither thy fathers nor thy fathers fathers have seen since the day that they were upon the earth unto this day and he turned himself and went out from Pharaoh skipping down to verse 14 the Bible says as it was spoken so it was and the low, low locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested in all the coast of Egypt very grievous were they before them there were no such locusts as they neither after them shall be such and so these in the day of the plague 
plagues. As one of the plagues, the locust came up on the ground. Amen. It came. There was the hell plague that came first. And what remained from the hell? What wasn't destroyed or taken by the hell? The locust came upon and ate. There was no hell according in scripture. There was no hell in the land of Goshen where Jacob and his family were dwelling. And so it is quite probable then there were no locusts in Goshen either since they were coming up on those things that had already been impacted by the hell. It seems as though the locusts only affected the Egyptians in this particular setting of scripture. All in their coast, all over their land was locusts throughout Egypt. They were in Pharaoh's house. They were in the house of his servants. They were in the houses of all the Egyptians. But tonight, indifferent to that day, in the day of Joel, the locusts did not impact Egypt. It's not impacting some despicable land but the locusts have impacted Judah as well. It is impacting both believers and unbelievers were affected by this line of locusts. The trees, the vines, the fields, both uh, both believers and unbelievers are impacted. And so in that matter, back in the days of Moses, the plague came then and was there in order to get Israel out of Egypt. But the plague that Joel speaks of now in his day was to awaken Israel to the Egypt that had snuck back inside of her. This was a time, amen, in the realm of Judah and the nation as it were, that God's people had grown as they commonly did. It seemed somewhat cold. They had gone after many things beside God. They had gone after many things in spite of God. They had adopted some of the ways of Egypt. They had adopted some of the gods of of their world that was about them. Some of the gods of some of the other diabolical nations, paganistic and heathenistic nations and ways, they adopted them as their own. But the fact of the matter is they were not God's ways. And so we read, Joel says, that this plague of locusts came upon the land and it transformed the land that they had known. The Bible says it transformed that land from the Garden of Eden to a desert waste. The Bible says in Joel 2 and 3 that land that is a Garden of Eden before them, speaking of the locusts behind them, a desolate wilderness. What they approached, the locusts came into a land that was like the land, the Garden of Eden. Amen. But once they had had their way with it, it was nothing but a desolate wilderness. It changed the dynamics of the land. It had once been an Eden, if you will. It had once been a place where no one would have wanted for anything. It had once been the perfect paradise. But after the locusts and the plague thereof, it was now desolate. It was now void of many things that it once offered. Amen. In certain essences, just like the garden of old, where the tree of life was now, all they have access to was the flaming sword. The locust influence. Just stay here with me a little bit tonight. The locust of Joel's day influenced their farming society so much that it extended beyond their farming and it went to the commercial areas 
areas of their life, the religious areas of their life, their natural means of living. The Bible says in the book of Joel, Joel was calling during this moment of time. He cries out to what he calls the drunkards. He said, drunkards, you need to awake. Drunkards, you need to weep. You need to howl because the wine and the vineyard has been cut off because of the locusts. If I can put it in the most simplest terms, I can come to you tonight as this. Joel was telling those people that one of the luxuries of their lives, one of the luxuries of their lives had been withdrawn. Can I say for making a little moment here again, Joel's using a current event of his day. Let's use a current event of our day. We've lost some luxuries of life. Amen. Over the past eight weeks. I just today got online to go back through the list of all the sporting events across the world that was closed and I scrolled for page after page after page things that I didn't even know existed in some countries. We lost all the sporting events across the board of the world. The Olympics were postponed for another year affecting over 10,000 athletes that would participate and had been training for years, some of them for their entire lives just for the moment. Luxuries, if you will, amen, of lives have been withdrawn. People have used their vacation time, amen, because of their downtime. People have used personal time off for their downtime, amen, to generate income for themselves during these times. Luxuries have been withdrawn. They've taken cuts to pay, amen, or to uh, in pay where they work to sustain their companies and their organizations to help, if you will, them out in this time as well. One of our means, many of our means of travel has been squelched and that in turn has affected our trade and our businesses and our whole economy economy as a whole and Joe was telling them in their day there's something that's happened there's a locust a plague that's coming to the land and it has somehow affected some of the luxuries of our life and nonetheless the same has happened in our day but Joel goes on he doesn't just talk to the drunkards but he talks to the people he says you need to find yourself a place and you need to mourn because the corn and the wine which was typically mixed with water he said in oil they languish the husbandman and the vine dresser are ashamed with embarrassment because they don't have anything to show for their crops the corn the wine and the oil Three staples, amen, that's commonly found throughout the Bible. Three staples that are typically mentioned together throughout Scripture, and yet they were lacking. They were lacking food, they were lacking drink, and they were lacking light because of the corn and the wine and the oil. It was wasted. It was dried up. If I can bring it to simple terms for our times and even Joe's time, the essentials for living were limited, and some even even non-existent. Folks, I can't tell you how, how, how eye-opening in just a few moments uh, this past week as I read through the book of Joel to see some parallels, if you will, between his current event and our current event. In our predicament, we've been limited to the essentials as well. Essential businesses are the only ones among businesses that have been allowed to stay open. And yet, even inside of them, we have been met with many quote-unquote essentials that have been limited or 
altogether non-existent. Sometimes due to hoarding, sometimes due to the breakdown of supply and demand. Amen. Whatever it may be, the toilet paper epidemic will always be upon people's minds. Amen. A precious thing, precious as a fine metal during these times. Essentials, if you will, we couldn't get our hand on. Any given day at a store, the stores may or may not have what you needed. Joe said we were lacking some of our essentials during the time of the locusts of the plague. I say we've lacked some essentials during the moments of COVID-19 as well. But in addition to all of this, Joe cries out to the priest. Read your Bibles. It's just three chapters. He cries out to the priest and he says, priest, you need to mourn and you need to lament and you need to howl. Because the sacrifices have been cut off and withheld from the house of God. He said, even in verse 16 of chapter 1, he says, joy and gladness had been cut off from the house of God of God. In other words Joel in his day speaking of his current event in his hour says the luxuries of life had been withdrawn. The essentials for living had been limited and number three the normal means of worship had been interrupted. Someone say amen. The Bible says in Joel chapter 1 and verse 9. Read it for yourself. And there's other verses as well. He says the meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests, the Lord's ministers mourn. Folks, you're talking about just the daily sacrifices that would happen at the temple. The morning and the evening sacrifices, they alone required flour. They alone required wine. They alone required oil. But if you didn't have flour, wine, and oil to go along with them, then sacrifices for the morning and the evening was going to cease. Without these, without these being in the hands of the people or the people having access to these, they could not approach God at the temple as they would normally approach God. It affected the way that they worshiped God. It affected the normal way that they communed with God. For that matter, the Bible, we know from Scripture that the priests, along with the sacrifices, were given certain allotments or certain portions of the sacrifice of certain offerings for themselves. Amen. To eat and partake of. And so they suffered in that respect. But perhaps they suffered more in this respect and that is when those sacrifices were brought that priest had a responsibility and a function in their worship in their offering and in their sacrifice and now the priest's normal way of functioning amen in the temple and even in his own worship amen was affected by the plague of the locusts that was in the land when the people brought their sacrifices and their offerings the priest was always an integral part of their worship but because of the plague all of that had changed it seemed to appear as though it did not exist it was a different way and approach than what it had formerly been hallelujah hallelujah there was no blood being shed amen at this moment in time we read of even a drought that was taking place in the land no bread of any kind was being mixed or smeared with oil because there was no wheat there was no barley there was no oil things of the house of God amen were not business as usual amen things were different it wasn't normal I'll tell you in our current event for this hour over 
for eight weeks I've been preaching and teaching virtually to an empty building. I stand while worship is going on among empty pews myself and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. The normal way and means of worship has definitely been interrupted. There's no collective gatherings for prayer. There's no children, amen, singing on Sunday mornings or practicing for choir on Wednesday nights. There's a silence in the super church area of the church. The normal means of worship has been interrupted. There is a measure of joy and gladness that's been cut off from the house of God. And I hate to tell you this tonight, but there are some churches that closed their doors eight weeks ago that will not be opening back up whenever this is all said and done. Someone say amen. But Joe uses the current event of his day to get the people to start thinking about the day of the Lord. And I wish here for a little moment of time to use the current happenings of our day to do the same. In Joel's day, the plague was not the norm. It was unprecedented. But there is a day coming that Joel was trying to get them to think about that was in the mind's eye of Joel that was equally not the norm, equally would not be, if you will, the same old, same old. It was known as the day of the Lord. The Bible says that Jeremiah speaks of that day of the Lord as a time such as never occurred since there was a nation. The Gospel of Matthew records of it as a time not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor shall, ever shall be. In other words, it was different. It was not the norm. It was not standard. Amos, as he describes the day of the Lord, he says the day of the Lord is darkness and it's not light. He said the day of the Lord is very dark and no brightness was in it. Amos brought our attention to the understanding that the day of the Lord was speaking about the day of judgment and so Joel speaks he speaks of it as being at hand he says I know there's calamity right now this is not the norm this is not the usual way of things I I know worship has been interrupted he says but I want to use that to cause you all to think about another day that's in the future that's not going to be the norm that's not going to be the usual it'll be the day of the Lord and he says I want you to know that it is at hand and that it is near folks when you can Consider that all throughout the scripture that the catching away of the church or the rapture is spoken of as being imminent, which basically means it can happen at any time. If the church can be raptured at any time, then that tells me the day of the Lord or judgment is always at hand. That judgment is always near. Joel commands a response though. He wasn't just, he just wasn't settled on telling them about the day of the Lord or using his current event to get their minds turned that direction. He commands a response to the plague and the locust of their hour. He commands a response, amen, that will aid the people as they preview the day of the Lord, the day of judgment that would come. This is 
is his response. This is what he commanded the people. He said, blow the trumpet in Zion. Know well that Joel did not say blow the trumpet in Egypt. He didn't say blow the trumpet in Sodom. He did not say blow the trumpet in Gomorrah or some other despicable place or heathenistic portion of the world. He said blow the trumpet in Zion. Because Zion is in that place of Jerusalem. Zion is that city of David. Zion is the place that the temple resides. Zion is the Mount Moriah that Abraham took Isaac up. Amen. To sacrifice him there. Zion is where Solomon began to build the house of God. In many cases in prophetic scripture, Zion is the church. Joel said, you blow the trumpet in the church. I know it's a dark hour. I know the circumstances right now are outside of the norm but we gotta blow the trumpet in the church I'm not gloom and doom and despair. There's already been everything under the sun right now during these times that have been preached and have been taught. People are making hard, fast connections based upon the current lens of now just prophecy here, prophecy there. I'm just coming to you tonight as a modern day Joe and telling you I'm looking at my current condition and I'm trying to tell us we need to consider the judgment of the Lord is at hand. And I'm saying church, we must be blow the trumpet. There's a lot of people right now in the religious world that says, you know what? Modern day society and our world needs to wake up. But what Joel said in his day is the church better wake up. The church better pay attention. The church better get on the edge of Blow the trumpet in Zion. Yes. At that moment, Joel wasn't wasn't looking at all the unbelievers or look, no 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 no. He was calling, he said the church needs to take notice. The church needs to open their eyes. Blow the trumpet in Zion. In the day of the Lord, if the day of the Lord is the day of judgment, and that's what we see it to be in scripture. Then Joel's like, I want to ensure that the church is the church. Hmm? I want to ensure that the church is the church. If I say like, Joel saying, blow the trumpet in Zion, the day of judgment is coming because he wanted there to be an assembly that have made themselves ready. He wanted to be a part of that glorious church that was without spot or wrinkle or any such thing he wanted to be a part of that folks the only way that the church can make herself ready is by putting on what's been given to her watch it now in the book of revelation chapter 9 amen 19 rather in verses 7 and 8 here's what the word says through john the revelator he said let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife that's the church hath made herself ready how or by what 
8, verse 8, and to her, the church, was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. You know what Joel is saying? With these unprecedented times of the current event of his hour of worship being interrupted, he said, I see the church has grown cold. I see that the church has not been where the church needed to be. And so I'm telling you with presently what's going on, blow the trumpet in Zion. Amen. If she's going to be a success, if she's going to leave one of the trump sounds, if she's going to escape, if you will, the judgment of the wicked, then she must put on what has been given to her. She, oh my God. We got too many people right now dilly-dallying around with what God has given them. They've allowed it to sit on a shelf, be put in a closet or on a pew. I come, I'm trying to urge someone tonight that the trumpet is sounding in Zion right now. You need to afford yourself of what's been given to you. You need to afford yourself at what's been preached to you, what's been taught to you. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Amen. Joel knew that if judgment day is at hand, if judgment day is near, then judgment must happen in the church first. Right? We have scripture that bears this out. 1 Peter 4, 17. The Bible states, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin with first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? Judgment's got to be with those that have received the gospel. And if it starts there first, what's it going to be like for those that do not receive the gospel? Furthermore, let me say this. Judgment's got to start in Zion because there's no hope for Egypt if Zion isn't where she needs to be. There's no hope. There's no hope if the one that's supposed to be the bride of Christ and the body of Christ, if she, if she is in error concerning her standing, that's not a beacon of hope for anybody else that's in need of a lifeline. Judgment's got to begin at the house of God. So twice in the scripture, twice in the book of Joel, chapter number two, he said, blow the trumpet in Zion. And each time he said, blow the trumpet, one was for one occasion. One was for one purpose. And the other was for a different purpose. The first time that Joel said blow the trumpet in Zion. The first trumpet blow was for the sounding of an alarm. Of what had happened all throughout their land. It was the sounding of an alarm. But the second blowing of the trumpet. And you can look at it in verses 15 and 16 of Joel 2. The second blowing of the trumpet for Zion was for a gathering. It was for a fast. It was for a solemn assembly. It was for the purpose of sanctifying Zion. It was for the purpose of setting apart Zion. To put it quite simply. The first trumpet was for a warning. And the second trumpet. It was a call to repentance. 
Calling who? Calling Zion to repentance. Amen. We need to be clear as it was in Joel's day and as it says in other places of the scripture, even the New Testament, the trumpet in this hour doesn't need to be giving an uncertain sound. It needs to be clear whether it's a sound of warning or whether it's a sound, amen, of a solemn assembly, amen, calling us to repentance. We need the trumpet to sound in Zion to warn us and we need the trumpet to sound in Zion to call us to places of repentance because the day of the Lord is at hand. Look now, if you will, Joe 2, verses 12 and 13. You just can't make this stuff up. Therefore also now, saith the Lord, that's what he says in Zion. He says, turn ye even to me. That's indicative of repentance. Uh, repentance isn't about face. It's a turn. He says, turn ye even to me with all your heart. Someone say all. With all your heart. Joe's saying the days of partial allegiance are over. Amen. The days of partiality, he says, turn to the Lord with all of your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Look at verse 13. And rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God. Joe's saying, God is not interested in your lip service. God, hallelujah, is not interested in that. In the past, he said, no doubt, as New Testament scripture even bears out, that there were those that drew near to him with their mouth. There were those that honored him with their lips. But the gospel said their heart was far from him. God says, I'm not interested in partial heart. I'm not interested in lip service. I'm not interested in an outward at calisthenics and show. He says, I'm interested in the heart of man that it be true that it be prepared, that it be ready, that it be sure for the day of the Lord. He said, rend, amen, rend your heart rather than your garment. The rending of the garment was a typical sign and custom in that day of grief and lamenting. If a person rent their garment and threw, threw, threw ash upon their head, they were in deep sorrow. But what Joel was telling the people, what Joel was telling Zion, he said, I just don't want some type of outside expression of grief he says I don't want an outward show without an inward change there must be a rending of the heart oh God yes blow the trumpet blow it in Zion because if you just have a rending of the garment and no rending of the heart that's nothing but deception that's nothing but a lie blow the trumpet in Zion Joe's call. Note this was an all-out call. It was an all-out call to Zion. You can read of it in Joe 2, verses 15 through 17. He called the elders. He called the children. He called the nursing babies. Which mama no doubt's coming with that. He called the bridegroom and the bride. Those that were in the prime of their life. He called the priest. And those that ministered, this call was to all of those dynamics 
of Zion. He was calling them to repentance. He was calling them to fasting, calling them to mourning, calling them to judge themselves now so they wouldn't have to suffer the judgment then. It's after this call. It's after that the trumpet has been sounded and blown in Zion. The several verses following that we then start to see restitution made in the book of Joe. We start seeing that corn and wine and oil, fig trees and olive trees are coming back into station of life. The vine is yielding what the vine yields. The threshing floors are full. The vats of oil are overflowing. The former rain and the latter rain seemingly are coming together. And restoration is happening. It's in all of this that then Joe speaks about the outpouring of his spirit. Which would come at Pentecost. Remember, repentance has preceded the Spirit. <laughs> and repentance preceded the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And repentance will always precede the coming of the Spirit in any generation. Amen. But note well that it is repentance and the Spirit that are the hope of the church. For that matter, they are the hopes of the world. The Bible says, and I'm trying to hasten there to a close, but the Bible says in Joel 2 and verse 32, look what the scripture says. These restorations and restitutions taking place. He's prophesied of the day of the coming of the Spirit. All of that comes up on the heels of a repentance and a heart from Zion. And the Bible says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion, and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. In other words, Joel is saying this. If we blow the trumpet in Zion, even right now during this current event and condition, and get people's minds headed toward the day of judgment that is certain to come, if we can get them repenting now, if we can get the church sure and steadfast now, he said then in Mount Zion and Jerusalem shall be deliverance. Let me say it like this. If there is deliverance anywhere, it'll be found in the church. Oh, yes. It'll be found in the church. Why? Because she knew how to repent. She knew how to repent and she understood how that repentance brought a path and a way for his spirit. Amen. To come down upon them. And so I echo the words of the prophet Joel in our day and our current event. Let's blow the trumpet in Zion. Let's warn them. Let's urge them. Yes, I'm concerned about the world, but the world needs an anchor in the church and we got to let judgment first begin in the house of God. I want to be that church that hath made herself 
ready. Find me, as the scripture says, the priests were in Joel between the porch and the altar lamenting and crying out over the behalf of the people because we need a spirit of restoration in this hour. I know worship has been changed. Amen. It's not the norm. Luxuries have been taken away and some of the essentials of life have been taken away. But Joel said, consider the day of the Lord because it's going to be unlike any other as well. I'm telling you tonight, as much as you think it's odd right now, honey, there's going to be something that even eclipses that and that's the day of judgment. And so I want to make preparations right now. I want to make my calling and my election sure right now. So blow the trumpet in Zion. Let it sound clear. Let there be no uncertainty in its sound or in its purpose. I want to be, I must be, it's imperative, I got to be right with my maker and right with my God. If I'll suffer some judgment right now, I can escape the judgment of the wicked in the day of the Lord. So blow the trumpet in Zion. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Blow it loud, blow it clear. I'm going to ask you tonight to bow your heads in your homes. I'm asking, I'm calling upon the First Apostolic Church family right now in their homes to bow their heads and close their eyes and let the trumpet sound in Zion. Let the trumpet sound. You've lost luxuries. You've lost essentials just like everybody else has. The form of worship has been interrupted. But as Joel, so am I, saying let that turn your attention alas to the day of the Lord that is at hand. It is nigh and it is near. It is judgment. I don't want to be numbered among them I want to be the church that has made herself ready and so I'm going to evaluate my life I'm going to evaluate my stand I'm going to see if I have put on what God has afforded me or if I've neglected to do that I'm going to come to the task of fasting and mourning and calling upon the name of the Lord because he is my hope repentance is my hope the spirit is my hope it's that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that shall quicken my mortal body when the trump sounds that's going to carry me out of here blow the trumpet in Zion God I pray right now all over your people I pray oh Lord Jesus over those God that may have somewhere along the way even prior to all of this had grown cold or indifferent or complacent I pray oh Lord to the moving of the spirit to the promptings of the Holy Ghost those Lord that attempted Lord prior to all of this breaking out living life on the edge riding the fence so to speak trying if you will to be worldly Monday through Friday and spiritual on the weekends I pray, oh God, today, let something happen within our spirits. God, let the current event of our times get our mind to start thinking about the day of the Lord. Get our mind to start thinking about judgment. Think about the day that's going to be unlike any other, as though this day has been unlike any other. It's prompting us. It is the dressing room. It is the rehearsal. Amen. For something that's going to happen that's going to be unlike any other. God, let it turn our attention that direction in that way and help us 
Lord, be able to say as the church easily upon our lips, come quickly, Lord Jesus, because we have made our calling and our election sure, and we are ready when you're ready. I pray, oh God, today, let that trumpet sound. Let it warn us and let it call us to places of repentance in our homes and among our families. Zion's got to wake up. Zion's got to listen. Zion's got to give ear, amen, to what the Spirit may be saying in this hour and in this age. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you this week. God comfort you, keep you, and help you. And please hear the sound of the trumpet that's given us instruction and guidance. Amen. During these times, I, I urge you, read Joe 1, 2, and 3, and look again of the current event he spoke of his day and seemingly some of the overlaps as it would be in our day. And he used all of that just to turn people's minds toward the day of the Lord. Folks, it is at Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.